In the last video, I talked about what is my primary issue with Calvinism, um, at least at this point. And if I summarized uh, that last video, if you if you didn't watch it, you can go ahead and watch that or listen to the podcast form. Um, but but if I was to summarize what I really was getting across is, is the question of is the the spiritual blessing of being chosen by God, being selected by Him, uh, that that spiritual blessing of Him choosing uh, individuals and choosing to enter into a special relationship with them. Is that blessing a fruit of, of Jesus, a fruit of, of first being in Christ? Does it come forth out of, out of a relationship with Christ, out of being attached to him as the vine? Or is getting into Christ and eventually getting Christ, is that a fruit of uh, first being elect and chosen by the Father? So with that, um, I want to go ahead and jump in. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to play this I'm going to play in sections these clips uh, from the uh, Apologia radio uh, video where they, they discuss this question. I'll play through uh, parts of the clips and then kind of comment on, on some of the things that they say. This would be a good transition. Um, I'm glad the as far as the passage you read at the beginning in Ephesians, um, someone I've been dialoguing with, someone that listens to us, his name is Jordan, and he has a, a really great question. Um, and specifically in regard to this passage, I thought it'd be a good transition. I think it'll be quick, okay. quick and easy to answer. So his question is, um, he says, Ephesians 1, 3 through 4 says that every spiritual blessing, including being chosen to be holy, was given to us in Christ. So if we didn't get in Christ until after regeneration, then how can it be said that we were chosen before regeneration? That would be God choosing us outside of Christ and not in Christ. Okay, so that's he just read the question that I actually sent him in the Facebook message. And so even as I sit there and listen to that, it's a bit of a confusing question unless you, you I think it's easier to be able to stop and actually read through the question to understand what I'm actually asking. And so uh, I want to explain that question so, so it's clear to, to you guys listening and watching what I'm actually asking and the problem I'm actually presenting. And so, so what I asked is, Ephesians 1, 3-4, it says that every spiritual blessing has been given to us in Christ. And so to me, it seems like there is a condition uh, that there's a spiritual location, that those who are receiving every spiritual blessing, that those blessings are located uh, in Christ. And, and that's why in the last video, I drew the circle that represented in Christ. And, and uh, Ephesians uh, 1, Paul seems to communicate that God has placed inside that circle of Christ every spiritual blessing. So those blessings are reserved for those in him, and, and nobody gets those blessings who are outside of him. But what Calvinism would seem to communicate is that before we're in Christ, we somehow get the spiritual blessing of being chosen by God. So, so first we, we receive the spiritual blessing of being chosen, and next we we eventually get into Christ. Um, another way of, of looking at the problem would be that, um, again, Ephesians 1, 4 says that we're chosen in Christ uh, before the foundation of the world. So it so being chosen before the foundation of the world, that's located in Christ. But again, it seemed like Calvinism actually 
places that choice of God outside of Christ, where where we're not chosen in Christ, but rather we're first chosen to eventually get into Christ. And so to me, what the problem arises from that is that that seems to not be uh, believers being or, or individuals being chosen in Christ, but but individuals being chosen outside of Christ to they're being chosen to eventually get into Christ. And, and, and uh, I can find several quotes uh, from from people like John Piper and and uh, others who, who would communicate that idea um, when they uh, uh, look at Ephesians 1-4 is that God chooses us not in Christ, but he chooses us to get into Christ eventually. And that seems to be directly against actually what uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 4 is communicating um, because it seems to communicate clearly that the choice of God of us is a choice in Christ. Um, and so that that sounds a bit repetitive, but I, I want to make sure we understand that distinction before we listen to uh, the way that they explain it. So they go on. So there's definitely um, some confusion in his question, and I've been trying to help him work through some of these things, but I told him we would try to get to it at some point. Um, and, and the reason he brought this up is because he, he found a video of some guy on YouTube who's like, I destroyed Calvinism with this argument. And it was like, that's not even how any of this works. I don't see anything at all yeah. interesting in the argument at all. I don't even, I don't understand what the confusion is. Cause maybe I'm, I'm not hearing the... Yeah, it's, it's weird. And so, because he told me that he's he's asked a bunch of Calvinists and nobody can answer the question. I'm like, well, it's because it's, it, it's not how soteriology works to begin with. Yeah. So he's, he's essentially saying if if Christ chose us before the foundation of the world, he's equating that with us then receiving every spiritual blessing in before Christ. Before the foundation of the world? Yeah, and so yeah. there's a point in time when that happens. Yeah, so there's correct. There's a point of application. Yeah. There you go. That's, yeah. that's the answer to the question, right. is that there is an eternal decree by God given from before the foundation of the, the earth by the Father. Right. The Son enters into history to accomplish the means of that, and then the Holy Spirit applies the saving benefits, everything that comes with that at a certain point in time. You look at the Apostle Paul. Okay, so if you're, if you're not hearing what they're saying, um, let me try to clarify. So basically they're saying there's an eternal decree of God where he chooses us. But but that that decree it actually has an application at a point in time, and they would they go on to say that the point in time where that that is applied, um, which I'm I'm kind of confused about what they means because it, it was certainly applied. There was an application of God actually choosing individuals, and and I I would uh, uh, really think that that's they would be in agreement with that that God applied the uh, his choice of us at the point in time before the foundation of the world. And so if you put it on a, a, a timeline again, um, I think they would say that even at the point of uh, at natural birth, when a person is born into this world naturally, that at that point in time, there is an application of, of having been chosen by God already. So people enter into this world already uh, with the correct definition of being chosen uh, by God at that point in time. So, so, uh, so what they're saying that though is that before the foundation of the world, God chooses us, and that's applied in time. And so they go on to communicate that there's a point in time at faith and repentance where where uh, salvation is applied. Um, again, I would say that I don't I don't really see how that that solves the problem. Um, but we'll finish listening to some of the things they say uh, before I explain that. In the book of Galatians, it says, "When he was pleased." to reveal his son in me. Mm. So he who set me apart before I was born, when he was pleased to reveal his son in me, mm. at that point, mm. then I came. 
So the eternal decree of God takes place in eternity past. It's as sure, as certain as anything. Okay. I want to look at that that verse that he just brought up. Um, I think that's significant. And this is a little bit of a different... uh, it is getting a little bit away from the Ephesians 1-4 argument, but I think since he brought it up, I do want to um, acknowledge it and reply to it. So what he's referencing to is Galatians 1, 15 through 17, where Paul says, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, uh, I did not rush to consult with flesh and blood. So, so he's saying that there was a point in time where God was pleased, right, to reveal uh, His Son uh, in Paul. The significant thing about this this uh, verse here is that the the implication seems to be that this this isn't necessarily. I don't see it as a revelation that. Uh, is the revelation that necessarily saved Paul, but rather, um, you know, I think it's up for debate of whether this, this is the point in time where Paul is actually saved. So his argument is, is that God, uh, effectually, uh, uh, caused him to repent and, uh, and put in him, in his heart, the revelation of Jesus, causing him to repent and to believe and to be saved. Um, I don't think that's what this is communicating. Rather, what he connects this revelation of the Son to, he says, God was pleased to reveal his Son in me so that that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So I think that this revelation here is a different revelation than the revelation that saved Paul. I think this was a revelation given to Paul uh, uh, probably after the actual point in time where Paul believed and was uh, saved and sealed with the Spirit. Um, I th- I, it's my belief and my understanding of this verse and just the order that you see in Galatians and in Acts that this is a revelation that God gave after uh, uh after Paul's actual salvation, and this revelation was given as a as a clear and specific revelation, where he filled Paul with an understanding of the mystery of Christ and, and a revelation of who Jesus is, a revelation of what the gospel is, so that he could preach him among the Gentiles. So it doesn't say he was pleased to reveal his Son in me, so that I might uh, repent and believe and be saved. But this was a revelation given to Paul to fill him with a grace and, and a power and an ability and a wisdom and a knowledge about Jesus so that he could preach him among the Gentiles. Um, and the next thing I want to say is that if you read in Acts 26, 19 through 20, where Paul is recounting his uh, conversion on uh, the road to Damascus, um, he says something significant. And uh, basically, again, what, what these guys are trying to communicate is that God caused Paul to repent, that it wasn't a result of, of Paul's choice, that, that really, I think if you boil it down, I think Calvinism would communicate that Paul really didn't have a choice of whether or not to obey, that God caused him to, to believe, he caused him to repent, he caused him to turn and to submit himself to God, and that Paul couldn't have done otherwise because it was the, dec- the decree of God that he, he do so. And, and I just, I don't think we really get that from the scripture. I, I think Paul did have a choice, and, and I think he actually communicates that. So Acts 26, 19, it says, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So he makes sure to clarify and to point out that once he, he got that, that vision on the road, and he, for some reason, he specifically points out that he was not disobedient. 
the implication there is that Paul could have been disobedient, that Paul chose to submit himself to that revelation. He chose to uh, submit himself in obedience to God, and rather than running away and, and, and fleeing away from God and disobeying, he, he chose to obey. Um, and then if you jump to 1 Corinthians 15.10, um, uh, Paul says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So again here, Paul seems to be implying that that he chose to do something with the grace of God. God gives us all grace, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to automatically respond the way we should to that grace. And, and I think that's just clear all throughout Scripture. But Paul... Uh, multiple times seems to uh, bring that out about himself and about the grace God gave him, that he says that grace was not without effect. It wasn't in vain, but Paul actually utilized that grace and he responded to that grace in, in obedience um, rather than disobedience. Uh, and then again, 2 Corinthians 6.1, Paul talking to believers, he says, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace uh, in vain. And so again, the implication would be that Paul knew that it is possible to have God's grace given, but rather than responding to that in a right way, rather than responding in obedience, you actually receive it in vain because you don't utilize it in the way that God wants you to. And so Paul is urging them to not do that, not be those who receive God's grace, but then don't respond to it in a correct way and don't utilize it. And I think you see this in the parables of of the uh, that God gave different of His servants talents, and two of those servants responded to to that grace that God gave them in a right way. The other one went and buried it, and so that talent, that grace that was given, was actually received by them in vain. That that what God uh, God gave him that talent so that he would uh, uh, go and and uh, and and do something with it, but he didn't. He buried it. And I think what we're seeing in 1 Corinthians 15.10 with Paul is he's saying that wasn't him. That wasn't what he did. He actually took that grace that God gave him and responded correctly to it like the two wise servants. And, and the implication, again, I think, is that we can be like that foolish servant who, rather than taking God's grace and responding to it in a right way, we can go and bury it, and we can receive that grace in vain. It, won't, it, it doesn't accomplish what God uh, allowed it uh, or, or wanted it to accomplish for us, that we actually receive it in vain. And then uh, two more verses real quick on this. Galatians 1.6, Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you, by the who called you in the grace of God, uh, and the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So we see here that the Galatians, not only is Paul saying it's a possibility to receive that grace in vain, but, but Paul's right here saying that they are actually, some of these uh, members of the, the church in Galatia were actually deserting him. That, that rather than uh, uh, having God's grace that was given to them be uh, not without effect as it was for Paul, uh, rather than that, they were actually deserting him. They were deserting that grace that he was giving them, and they were, they were leaving and, and turning to a different gospel. And then finally, Galatians 5.4, Paul says, You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by law, you have fallen away from grace. So all these things, I think, make clear that just because God gives us grace, just because God gave Paul the grace of revelation uh, of Jesus, he gave Paul that revelation of his son, he revealed his son in Paul, that, that doesn't 
mean that Paul had no choice uh, but to respond to that that grace in a a godly and wise way. Um, and I, I think if if it was the case that Paul had no choice but to do that, it really would would call into question so many verses where. Uh, you see Jesus like talking to the disciples and he's upset with them about their lack of faith and their lack of belief where where they had seen they had been given the grace of seeing so many of his miracles and and uh, they had been given things but they weren't responding to it in the way he wanted to so so if if uh, Paul had no choice but to obey then I think the whole idea of, of being a faithful servant really uh, the the whole meaning of that and, and the 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 significance of that is is kind of diminished I believe in my eyes um, because faithfulness implies that that you're responding to something you're responding to who God is his character in faith and 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 you're there is a response that that God honors and he he blesses and he um, Paul will even say that believers faith will be uh, will they will receive glory and honor when when Christ returns and obviously that glory that's in honor when when Jesus says well done we're going to cast that back at his feet and say it was all you it was all your work it was all your grace but that doesn't eliminate the fact that there is a responsibility to respond and God giving a person grace doesn't mean that they have to respond to that grace in obedience. There is the possibility of disobeying and, and rejecting that grace and falling away from it. And we know that faith in Jesus Christ is what brings God's justification, declared mm -hmm. righteous. So when I repent and believe, that is when God declares me justified, right? Mm -hmm. However, but it was, it was God's plan all along to save and to have me in Christ and that I would be... Okay. That's really... that. That's getting at one of the main things that I wanted to, to focus on right here is that if you didn't hear what he just said... Um, actually, let me go ahead and play that again because that's, that's a significant thing that he just said. Mm. However, but it was, it was God's plan all along to save and to have me in Christ and that I would be declared righteous and filled with the Spirit of God. Okay, so what he just said is that it was God's plan all along to save and to have me in Christ. So if you see there, what he's saying is that God chose me and his plan all along for me as an individual uh, or for the elect as an individual was to have them in Christ. So so what you see there is first, God God chooses we're not in Christ yet, right? And he, he was even making that distinction that, that it wasn't a choice of, of God choosing individuals in Christ. Rather, it was a choice of individuals to get into Christ or to eventually be in Christ. So, so there you have him communicating that, that uh, getting Jesus is actually a fruit of election. That what happens first is that God chooses individuals and that choice of them, that, that mysterious blessing and favor we get from the Father, eventually brings us into connection and union with the Son. And so that is Jesus being a fruit of election rather than election, the spiritual blessing of election being a fruit of Jesus. And so there I feel like he's actually communicating, uh, uh, rather than answering the issue, he's, he's kind of just restating the issue that I'm raising in the question. 
In this clip I'm about to play, Jeff brings up a verse from Acts 13.48, which uh, deserves some looking into and uh, is, is a common verse used to uh, support Calvinism. Um, if you if you want to get some uh, a good explanation of that verse, I would I would recommend going to uh, soteriology101.com or just just search uh, Acts thirteen forty eight Layton Flowers on YouTube and and he has a lot of uh, or at least a couple good videos where he deals with this verse and uh, I think he gives an explanation that is is very much worth considering. Um, but uh, I, I would like to make a video about that in the future, but for the sake of time in this one, um, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit um, while he's in the middle of that, just so you can kind of see again what he's what he's doing with uh, in relation to the Ephesians 1, 3, and 4 verses that I brought up. Yep, oh, that's uh, good. It's a big one. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So who believed? Those who had been yeah. appointed to eternal life. So <laughs> watch this. There was a moment where they heard rejoiced, believed, but only the ones who were appointed to eternal life in that crowd believed, right? So what was necessary there is the appointment to eternal life. They believed. <laughs> and yeah. that's when they received every spiritual blessing. And that's right. when they received, right. yeah, justification. Yeah. The, they received all, was, all, all of that. Okay, so, so again, um, I would like to cover that question out of Acts 13.48, but uh, that would take a bit of time that would require a whole separate video. Um, one, one key thing to note about, about Acts 13.48 is that that word appointment, where it says that as many as were appointed uh, uh, to eternal life, these believed. If you look at that word appointment, it in no way conveys the idea of a pre-appointment or a predetermination that isn't a, a, a uh, an appointment that happened in eternity past but that was that was an appointment uh, when, when that word is used other times throughout the New Testament it, it's an appointment that happened uh, then and there a, a lot in a lot of cases it's not it, it, it doesn't convey the idea of a uh, uh, an eternity past a foreordination or a, a predetermination of God um, if, if that was what Luke was trying to communicate he would have used Used a different word, the same word he used uh, that is used in other New Testament passages when it when they are trying to communicate a, a predetermination. But that 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 word pre uh, it, it's not in there. It's just there's an appointment, and uh, and it's definitely up for contention what what is actually meant by Luke there. Um, and so yeah, I, I would love to to dive into that a little bit deeper in the future. But for the sake of time, I want to just focus in on, on what he just said. So you heard him say uh, that it was at the point in time where the, they believed, they received, they repented. At that point in time, uh, uh, Luke said, okay, so it was at that point in time that they received every spiritual blessing. And Jeff said, yes, at that point in time. So thinking about this, again, in terms of, of a timeline, that at this point in time, they're in agreement, and I totally agree with them, that it, it was at this point in time is what they're saying. Right here is where uh, believers uh, received every spiritual blessing. Um, so what they're saying is there's uh, faith and repentance happened. Um, the, the Gentiles heard the gospel, and, and rather than being like the Jews who ignored it, and uh, they, they considered themselves unworthy of eternal life is what uh, Luke writes down. Um, rather than that, they, they received it, they embraced it, they, they, uh, they believed it. 
And what, what Jeff and Luke communicate here is that it's at this point in time that believers, that, that those Gentiles received every spiritual blessing. So the implication of that is that prior to this point in time, they did not have every spiritual blessing or any spiritual blessings. But again, they would also say that before this point in time, they, they had the spiritual blessing of being chosen. That, that what they're communicating here is that they, these, these Gentiles entered into to the situation being God's cheap sheep belonging to him, uh, being his own, that, that at this, this, from the time of birth and before that, really up to this point in time where they actually believed and repented, they, uh, were chosen, that they belonged to God. They were his own. And so somehow they're saying, no, you don't get every spiritual blessing until you believe and repent. But yet they're saying you had, you, you possessed really the spiritual blessing of being chosen prior to that point in time. Again, I would say that if, if this is the point in time where we get in Christ, but prior to that we're chosen by God, then again, that is a, a, an election in the Father. That's being chosen in the Father, or that's, that's being chosen outside of Christ. That's not being chosen in Christ. If we're chosen in Christ, then in some way it has to be conditioned on this point. That, that, that uh, to be chosen in Christ, it, it, you can't say we're not in Christ, but yet we're chosen in Christ. Um, I, I think what that, what that reveals is a, a strange idea of, of what it means to be in Christ, of what in Christ means. To be in Christ is to not be an Adam. But the Bible would communicate that at this point, from the time of uh, sin and, and uh, uh, living in unbelief and, and rejection of God, up to this point of faith and, and salvation, that at this point we were actually in Adam. We weren't in Christ. But somehow there's the idea coming out of, of Calvinism that would say we're both in Adam at the same time that we belong to God and we're chosen by him. And uh, I, just, I just feel like this is an issue that isn't really considered much or thought about much. And, and again, I, I haven't really heard a decent reply to. This just seems to be a contradiction. And what, what they'll say in this video at, at one point is they talk about how uh, this is all just coming down to a misunderstanding that God is not limited by time, that he's not bound by time. Um, and I understand what they're saying, but I think the problem with that is that we're both in agreement that there is an actual point in time where we get in Christ. Um, that yes, God's not bound by time, obviously, and he sees all things from beginning to end, but there is an actual point in time where we come to be in Christ. And there is an actual point in time prior to that where we're not in Christ. It really is very simple. And so, so either we're, we're actually chosen in Christ or we're not. Um, and I, I think to, to say that this is an issue of misunderstanding that God's not limited by time is, is really just kind of a, a distraction or deflection from the actual issue. Um, again, of course, God's not limited by time, but we both agree that it is a specific time at this point in time where we come to be in Christ. And so prior to that, there is a, there, we, we, we are not in Christ. And so it can't be said that if we're chosen prior to that, that we're chosen in Christ because we're not in him yet. Um, and so, so to me, again, this is, this is a, a significant issue because I think it gets down to uh, really our idea of, of Jesus and his supremacy 
in salvation, his supremacy in the doctrines of predestination and election. Um, I feel like one of these one of these views, what seems to be coming forth from Calvinism, I, and I don't say this to belittle or attack, I just I don't know of any other way to look at this and be honest, that this view here, that we're chosen, uh, uh, literally chosen before the foundation of the world, that before birth and, and even at the time of birth, the Father looked at us and said, that one is mine, he belongs to me, he has he has my, my special uh, favor and blessing, he is my own. And, and again, I kind of mentioned last time that that they even will communicate uh, and extrapolate verses in John where where uh, it'll communicate that God has children scattered abroad that that not only are the elect do they belong to him but but they're his children that they're God's children prior to faith and repentance and, and I just think that that's that doesn't work uh, that that's if that's the conclusion that our understanding of the Bible's leading us to, I think think there's something is off because the Bible clearly communicates what God describes us as, his definition of us prior to faith and repentance. And it's that we were without God, we were without hope, we were separated from Christ, we did not belong to him. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll talk about in, in Peter that we who once were not his people are now his people. And so I don't, either we belong to God or we're not, we don't belong to him. Either we're in Adam or we're in Christ. I don't, I don't think there's a, a, a mix and match there. There's not a halfway point where you're sort of in Christ while sort of in Adam, or you, you sort of, and to some degree you belong to God or you don't. I think we're either cover, covered by the blood of Christ where God is actually able to, to reconcile us to himself through Jesus or we're not. And, and if we're not at this yet at this point of faith and repentance, I don't think God has anything, any spiritual blessing to offer us uh, because he's put all spiritual blessings inside of Christ. So it's only at this point in time of getting in Christ, uh, when we get in Christ through faith and repentance, that then as a fruit of Jesus, as a fruit of becoming connected to the vine, we then get the spiritual blessing of being chosen. Uh, and the only argument I, I usually hear when I bring this up is that rather than replying to this issue, Rather, what happens is, is that the argument turns to, well, how does a person believe? And, and, and um, the argument shifts to man's inability or ability to believe or not. And the argument becomes about uh, Ephesians 2, that men, we were dead in our sins. And so, so it seems that people don't even listen to the argument I'm making or this contradiction that's being brought up. They immediately just go to the issue of uh, uh, man's fallen condition and whether they can believe. And, and they assume that since since I'm making this case that that I'm I'm saying that man basically saves himself by placing himself in Christ, um, and so to me that first off that's just a whole other discussion. Like that's not even being put on the table at this point. I'd be happy to discuss that, but 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 before we go there, I would just ask that you'd please consider this and and give an answer to this contradiction that's being brought forth. And then after that, we can discuss man's ability or inability to, to believe. The problem is, is that the Bible makes it clear. You first are, you're in Christ. It's those in Christ who are chosen and not those out of him. So, so how does this uh, all work out in the system of Calvinism? Um, Because ultimately, again, I'll end with this, that it seems like Calvinism makes uh, it makes Jesus, it makes coming to Jesus, relationship with Christ, ultimately it makes Jesus in our life, he is, he is the fruit of election. That, that first in, in salvation comes this blessing from God of being elect, 
and chosen by him. And out, out, and out from that eventually comes uh, uh, Jesus. First we get chosen and out forth from that gift of being chosen, we eventually get Jesus. And I just think the, the Bible doesn't communicate it that way, that, that that's a distraction, a detraction of the person of Christ. Rather, I think that the spiritual blessing of being chosen is a fruit that comes forth out of being connected to the vine, which is Jesus. It comes forth out of being in Christ. I have no problem saying that being chosen by God is conditioned on being in Christ. And it's strange to me when I communicate that, that that's, uh, that that's uh, refuted or argued against. Um, and, and I would ask, what's the alternative? If being chosen by God is not conditioned on being in Christ, then basically what that means is being chosen by God is not conditioned on our relationship or our connection to Christ, that being chosen is a separate spiritual blessing from Christ, that we don't necessarily need Jesus in order to have this initial gift, this initial blessing of being chosen by the Father. Um, I don't know how you can spin this other than to say that the Father gives a special blessing, elements of mediation and reconciliation with himself outside of Christ. And to me, I don't see how that's possible biblically. So um, I would just, I would love to hear uh, a response or some form of a, um, an answer to this question and an answer that doesn't just immediately turn to the idea of man's inability or ability to believe. Let's set that to the side. Let's deal with this issue. And we'll, we'll talk about that afterwards because you can't, you can't bring that preconceived idea about man's ability and then try to interpret that based on, on that preconceived idea, but just take this text for what it says. And, and, and from there, we'll, we'll talk about whether or not man has the ability to, to believe by an act of his own will or not. So hopefully uh, this was in some way helpful uh, or encouraging uh, or enlightening in some way. If Again, if you have any questions or comments about any of this, uh, you can get with us at uh, email us at contact at greatlightstudios.com. Uh, you can find all of our materials on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, Great Light Studios. Just search that and you will uh, see us pop up. Um, also, you can find us at greatlightstudios.com. Um, and uh, we'll remind you one more time that you can watch these videos in podcast form, or for those of you listening to the podcast, you can find these in video form on the YouTube channel. So um, thank you for listening and God bless. Mm -hmm.